Yes. I've had one cooking. <clears throat> if is it done? <laughs> I almost forgot it. Let's see. If um if Balaram is both safe uh wait no, how was it? Basically if Balaram is both the Supreme Personality of God and he is Sevaka Bhagavan, so he knows both positions. One might ask, what is the need for Radharani? Or why... No, the existential crisis you talk about, not much the need for Radharani as far as... Not from the point of view of Vasudhichara, but when you talk about Krishna not wanting to know what it's like to serve him, that's the definition of Balaram, Sevaka Bhagavan. Well, that's true that in the person of Balaram, Krishna experiences um, the mellow of service to himself. But that is only with regard to Sambandha Rupa Bhakti. In Raganuga Bhakti, there are two divisions, Samandarupa and Kamarupa. And to follow those means Samandanuga and Kamanuga. So these two divisions are there. And Samandanuga, Samanda means relationship. So it means the types of loving relationships in, in the Braj. So, for example, there are loving relationships in the Braj in the form of uh, service. So, for example, in the household of Nanda Maharaj, who's and Yasodamai, they're the king and the queen of the cowherds. So, they've got a nice place, so to speak, and they've got different um, uh, servants in the house, assistants. Hmm? And so they serve Krishna and Dasya Bhakti. They're, for the most part, their Dasya Bhakti is tinged with some Sakya also. Hmm? Um, and so that's a, a an acceptable, from a societal point of view, relationship hmm, with Krishna to serve him as a servant. Similarly, there are friends of Krishna in Sakirasa, and the Sakirasa is very um, it's kind of the ground of of the whole Braj Lila because the Sakirasa extends down to Dasyarati because some forms of Sakyarasa are Sankul means they're mixed with, with Dasya. Some forms of Sakya are mixed with Vatsalya. Hmm? So you have Sakya extending down to touch with Dasya, extending up to touch with Vatsalya. Hmm? And then you have Priyanarmasakas whose love in a different way is than, than the Sankul is mixed with Madhurya. That friendly love can't mix with Madhurya in the way parental love can mix with Madhurya or serv, servile love can mix, excuse me, mix with Sakya. In other words, just put it on a human level so it doesn't become complicated. If I am your friend, I could also be the kind of friend that has a watchful eye over you, like an older brother. Hmm? So my friendship, my sakya, 
is mixed with vatsalya. Or I could have a relationship with a friend where uh, they're a little senior to me and I could have a, my, ser- my, my friendship could be tinged with a little bit of servitude. Hmm? So there are friends of Krishna whose love is mixed with servitude and whose love is with, mixed with vatsalya. And then there are friends who just have purely sakya. Hmm? And then there are friends of Krishna who have purely sakya, but in another way, their love is mixed with madhurya. It can't be mixed in the way that madhurya, that 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 vatsalya, and and servitude can. Because why, as I say, on a human level, if I'm your friend, hmm, then it's acceptable for me to also be like a well-wisher, hmm, a little vatsalya, or a little servitude. But I can't be your friend and be your lover. Hmm? If ever you say, we're just friends. Hmm? We're just friends, that's all. Don't get it wrong. You look like a nice couple. Oh, we're just friends. You correctly let them know. Hmm? So the friendship doesn't mix with romantic love in the way it can mix with Vatsalya, parental love, or servitude. But there is a way that, nonetheless, that it does mix, not in the same way. And that way is that some of the friends of Krishna who are very close with him and are tuned into his romantic sensibilities, assist him in his romantic sensibilities and so forth. Um, and so they have some attraction for Madhurya Rasa. Although they're purely in Sakya Rasa, they find themselves with some attraction for Madhurya Rasa. They can't become gopis, neither they want to become gopis, but the gopi bhav becomes an udipana for their Sakya Rasa. It becomes an a an anurasa, a rasa that follows. Rupa Goswami says it's mixed, but mixed in a different way. That there, that it causes their sakya rasa to reach new heights and exceed beyond the excellence and intimacy of of vatsalya rasa. Hmm? And and these Sakas, they come so up to so high that in the context of sakya bhav, generally you cannot taste. Mahabhav, but these Priyanarmas, their Sakyaras, influenced by Madhurya, can reach up to Ruda Mahabhav, very high stage that we find um, in in the gopis also. Hmm. So, that said, this is all under the category of Sambandhanuga. Hmm. And then you have Kamanuga, or Kamarupa. That means the gopis love. The different kinds of Gopis, different types of of kama, samboga, um, sambogechas, and uh, tadbhavecha, means who wants to have direct union with Krishna for his satisfaction, or to connect with the bhava of the of the maiden, the hand of the of the lover of Krishna. In other words, to connect with the bhava of of Radha hmm? and become her handmaid. And this is the preferred form of Madhurya Rasa, which is. Um, um, so much uh, central to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, handmaiden of Radha, sometimes it's called Manjari Bhav. So this is in Kamanuga. So what you say about Balaram is that Balaram is, is God. So it's a form Krishna expanding himself. He's the Purusha. But he is in the mood of serving. Yeah, excuse me, I meant what's the need, what's the need of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as an answer to the existential crisis more than Radharani. 
you know, okay, you make it more complicated, but, but, um, so, so as Balaram, then, in a sense, Krishna is tasting this Sambandhanuga, hmm? right? Because Balaram, his Sakyaras is mixed with, both with Batsalya and with, um, uh, with Dasya, so, but that's not the Madhurya. So, Krishna, if you will, as Balaram, can't taste the Madhurya rasa that Radha feels for Krishna. Hmm? So when when Krishna sees the the measure of Radha's love, and he comes to understand that she is tasting rasa in to an extent that exceeds my own experience, and I am Rasaraj. So this is causes an existential crisis for Krishna. I thought I was Rasaraj, the king of love, and and I've made a statement in the Gita that however anybody approaches me, I can reciprocate in kind, but I see in her love a measure and extent of love that exceeds... I can see that she's experiencing something that I'm, I have no experience of, so I cannot reciprocate in kind with her. So he goes into kind of an existential crisis. I thought I was God. Everybody says I'm God. <laughs> but nobody realizes it. But actually, the, the, the taste that she's experiencing, I'm worshiping that. I, I, I find myself longing to have to have that. So is she God, he thinks? Then he realizes, no, no, she's not God. I am God. And what makes her like that is something in me that she alone experiences. I can't experience it unto myself. She sees something in me. Hmm? It's me. I am the center. But she sees something in me that I cannot see through my own eyes or I can't experience directly. Therefore, I long to have, to experience myself from her vantage point. Hmm? And taste the full measure of, of of rasa. And Radharani thinks, you better be careful <laughs> what that might do to you. Hmm? And so this is the Gaur Leela. Hmm? So, what does that have to do with Balaram? Yeah, well, I guess I was trying to analyze it from an ontological point of view, uh, separated from a rasa consideration, but I guess you can't. Because ontologically, he is Bhagavan who experiences what it's like to serve Bhagavan. And if you take serve and love as cinnamon, then you were given a class and I, I realized, right, that's Balaram. Why would Krishna have to appear as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Because you would say Radharani Shakti and Anama Sarup Shakti, that's separate, although it's the same. But Balaram is, is Purusha, so there you have it already. But I guess. But he's not tasting Krishna from Radharani's perspective. He's. Balaram presides over the Sambandhanuga. Balaram presides over all these relationships that are legal. The legal relationships. This is, this is the, the relationships in the brudge that are accepted in the society. That's why it's called Sambandhanuga. So that means you can love Krishna as a parent or an elder. That's acceptable. You can love him as a friend. That's acceptable. You can love him as a servant. That's acceptable. But... Can you love him as, as a parakya lover? No, that's not acceptable. So it's not called Sambandhanuga. It's a relationship that's not allowed. Hmm? It's just kama. 
out of desire. It looks selfish because when gopis are doing something illegal just out of selfishness. And, and what will happen? If they're found out, it will be so embarrassing for their families. The whole village will be embarrassed. This is going on in that village over there. Oh, that's what the girls over there in that village do. Whoa, that's a bad reputation. It's ir- irreligious and so all this they're doing, they're, they're just, just for their personal pleasure, they're, they're, they're risking all this. It's just terrible. This is how love conceals itself, the highest love. It looks selfish on the outside, but on the inside it's completely selfless. That's why it's said, to understand the Bhagavatam, Nityam Bhagavata Seva, you have to be very careful, study very carefully and see what is the in, inner spirit of those gopis. Love seeks to share itself, and it also seeks to hide itself at the same time. We, we, we love someone, we want to share it, we realize, oh, they can't quite, you know, I can't quite share it with them. Hmm? And your intimate moments, for example, in romantic love, you, it's kind of unbecoming to share them in the public. So you have a private language and a private setting for that. Hmm? So love needs, needs, wants to share itself, but it also needs to hide itself to some extent. So in the Bhagavad then we find this highest love of Gopi Bhav. It's camouflaged. It looks selfish. And it, for a cursory reading of the Bhagavatam on the part of the British, for example, left them to believe they had come to India and they were studying the religious books of the Indians, which is what was like what India, the tribal, uh, feudal, monarchical India was centered around as far as the Hindus went. These books, these sacred, these were their, their histories, their, their everything. Hmm? And so, you know, they went into the books and, and they studied them and so forth. And then they found uh, the Vaishnav religion and they felt this is the closest thing to what they called the real religion, which was Christianity. But when they came into the Bhagavatam, they said, oh, but it all goes to hell right here. <laughs> because here's the God is a playboy. You know, and, these go up and they're advocating this, this kind of uh, illicit love and so forth. So they, they couldn't understand it. They didn't... Uh, they didn't hear it properly from Guru Parampara and, and so on and so forth. So it, it's, they're kind of repelled because they didn't approach it in the right way. Nityam Bhagwat to Seva. You mean you have to serve the Bhagwat, the person Bhagwat, the book Bhagwat? Hmm? Then you can come into an understanding of this that's not apparent on the surface. Hmm? Um, so love tends to hide itself. It's a, there's a nice statement in Chaitanya Charitamrita in this regard, but what is it Bhaya Bisha Jala Hoi Bitare Ananda Boy Krishna Premier Adbuta Charita so it says the translation is that Bhaya Bisha Jala Hoi on the outside this Prema looks like poison what is the other example in Gorlila Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, you know, he, he's simply crying. <laughs> he's weeping. He's fits of madness, even in his, in his, in his childhood leelas. Sometimes he would seem to be mad. And the neighboring people thought, oh, poor Sachi. Her boy is, one boy, her husband has died. 
Her seven daughters died at birth. The older boys left home to take sannyas. Her husband has died. And this one boy, Nita, he's, Nima, he's really beautiful and charming, but he's a little crazy. Hmm? Poor Sachi. Hmm? <laughs> so the sadhus, they had another eye, and they said, well, this kind of craziness is desirable. <laughs> then in the later Leela course in, in, in Puri, he's weeping, and his body's undergoing different contortions. So there's no example in human history, human religious history, of a figure, a religious figure, that was more an embodiment of ecstatic uh, transformation than Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's an extraordinary thing. The Goswamis examined that ecstasy and then they located it on the scriptural map and they said, this is the Mahabhav. This is Maranaki Mahabhav. He, he's, he's Radha. Hmm? But he's Krishna. And that's where the whole philosophy goes, right? Krishna trying to taste the Bhava Radha. They, they put this all together and located it on the map of the scriptures. Hmm? But anyway, on its face... It looks very disconcerting. Like, you want to be like that? Weeping all the time and passing out, sometimes perspiring blood, some strange disease, and so forth. So, on the outside, it looks like poison. But inside, it is anandamoy, full of ananda. Krishna prema adbhuta charita. This is the adbhuta charita. The wonderful character of Prem. On the outside it looks like one thing, but on the inside it is completely the opposite. And material life, of course, is just the reverse. On the outside it looks great. There's always a carrot of a little more acquisition, just tweak things a little bit more, and everything's going to be just great. But at the core, it's actually rotten. in a sense, that it, it, it doesn't endure. Krishna sums it up in the Gita when he says, Dukalayama Shashvatam. He says, it's a place of suffering. And Arjuna says, well, I kind of like it. Then, well, Ashashvatam. You can't keep it. Now what? So if you like it, but you can't keep it, it becomes your, what you like, what you're attached to, is the womb from which distress will be born in due course when the natural course of things is that everything is here today and gone the day after. Hmm? So, problematic. So here, even the highs are actually lows because as high as it gets, materially speaking, we're, we're getting high, if you will, or experiencing exaltation and joy and happiness because of something that we have. Material life, in a basic sense, is a sense of being that's derived from a sense of having. Try to follow that. My sense of being is derived from my sense of having. Hmm? What is mine gives rise to a sense of I. My my gives rise to a sense of I. So... I have, uh, I, this is my country, therefore I am Costa Rican. Hmm? And this is, um, you know, my car, 
that the corporations figured out. There's certain people, they like this kind of car and advertise it like this. There you go, and you're in Costa Rica. That's me, you know. Well, I grew up, you know, I was born in 1949, so I grew up in the 50s. I was young in the 50s, but at that time, the teenagers, teenage boys, as soon as you got a six, 16 years old, you got a driver's license and you, and you got some old car or something like that. And it was like they were their car. And the girls would say, he's got a car. You know, he's got, and then, you know, so I want to be, so he was, he was identified with the car, she was identified with the car, so that the, this sense of I or being that's derived from having is, is extremely vacuous because we don't really have anything, nothing we can keep. Hmm? So and this is the unfortunate karmic predicament. Hmm? We think we have, but we don't have and as much as nothing really belongs to us, the I that's derived from thinking something is mine is as illusory as the idea that, some, that something belongs to me and I can keep it. I can't keep anything. So the I that surfaces from this false premise of my is as false as the my. So you can't preserve it. Now there is an I, that's another thing, but that's what knowledge constitutes. Coming to the I that is not derived from having. Hmm? So being that's not derived from having, that, that's what renunciation is about. Letting go of the sense of my. Hmm? After all, I've given an example before. Why do we like or love something? or someone. Hmm? Why? Because we, the Atma, the real I here, has the capacity to kind of project itself into things. That's what gives things meaning. Hmm? When I think about them, then they matter. When somebody thinks about them, if nobody thinks about the world, then it doesn't really matter, does it? Hmm? So we are what makes things matter. Consciousness makes matter matter. If matter mattered, independent of consciousness, who would even know about it? Who would care about it? Consciousness is the knower. Consciousness is the carer. Hmm? So, consciousness projects itself into things. And in language, that translates into, in English language, two small letters, my 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 house, my car, my friend, my country, my dress, my drum, whatever it is. <laughs> and so when I say my, or when I think my, I've projected myself into it. Therefore, that car is my car, and if anything happens to it, I have a problem. If it's your car, it's your problem. Hmm? Two cars, both the same model and the same make. One has a problem, but it's not yours, so it's not a, it's not a problem for you. Hmm? You drive by in some car, you got a flat tire. Too bad for that guy. As soon as it's yours, it's a whole... Because it, it, it's yours. Because you've identified it, so you've projected yourself into it. So what is it that makes the car attractive in this example? Is it the make? Is it the model? The make and the model have caused you to project yourself into it, but only because you project yourself into it does it really have value. 
because you're in it by the way of my. It's a way of saying I projected myself into the house, into the car. Hmm? Because it's my car, my house, I'm in it in a sense, and therefore it's important. It's giving me pleasure. So it's the I, the real self, that's actually the, the cause of pleasure. Matter is insentient. How can it reciprocate with, with, a, with a consciousness, a conscious being? Hmm? So we're really interfacing with ourselves. We're really loving ourselves in the world. And we are lovable. We are a unit of Ananda. Therefore, Jiva Goswami says, the, love of, the object of love in the world is the, is the Atma, is the self. But we misconstrue that and we think it's things that we've projected ourselves into. Hmm? So to, 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 to let go of the my, we could still have the things but not think they're mine. Say so we should think, I belong to Guru and, and Krishna. Hmm? Eventually we'll think Krishna's mine and that's okay. Hmm? That's what Prem is about. Hmm? And an identity will come out of that also. A siddhadeha will come from the feeling that Krishna is mine. Hmm? So the sense of I or being that derives from having is vacuous. It's not to be at all, practically. Hmm? To let go and step back, hmm? look objectively at the world and see it's it's the Atma that's actually what's center of joy. I am an Atma. Hmm? I don't need things. As I said last night, the best things in life are not things. I'm not a thing. What is it in the world, if we were to ask, what in the world most resembles God, what would we say? What most resembles God in the world? The answer in the Upanishads is, you. You resemble God. You're a unit of consciousness. God is the source of consciousness. Hmm? You. Hmm? So, you are more beautiful than things. In fact, if things have any beauty, it's in the eye of the what? Observer. It says, isn't it? Beholder. Okay. Either way. Yeah. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That's where it exists. Not in the thing. Right? It exists in consciousness. We give meaning to things. We give beauty to things. We are a unit of beauty. We are a unit of meaning. Hmm? So, so the being derived from having misses all of this. It's an illusion. Hmm? The being that starts to be, be experienced then by letting go, if you will, hmm? and bhakti is a beautiful way of letting go, because we let go of one thing by attaching ourselves to another that's more attractive. Although he's a theoretical, theological person, in due course we'll find that he's real. Hmm? And the person of Krishna is more real than my illusory person derived from a sense of having. <laughs> that person is a fake one. That one is a fic 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 fiction. People think Krishna is just a myth, a fiction. Hmm? Well, <laughs> he may be a myth, but myth has meaning. <laughs> and it has that myth of Krishna, Leela, has the power to conquer and, and dethrone the, the mind, so to speak, hmm? and the sense of I that's, you know, the false I forming there. It says, Here are the Leela of Krishna. It was very powerful. Hmm? 
become attached to that. It's not hard, as I said the other day. His leelas are very charming and so forth. And then in the context of that, we're obviously letting go of of the false attachments and so forth in a healthy, psychologically healthy way, gradually and so forth. We become attached to sadhu sangha. Hmm? Then other kinds of sangha become empty, boring, meaningless to us and so forth. Gradually, gradually, then I comes out from I am this or that, which is an illusion, to I am, which is real, to I am a gopa or I am a gopi. This is where we can go. Hmm? How much more full is and meaningful is that sense of I? Hmm? So, how do we get into that? I'm not sure, but <laughs> it's a little bit of an aside. Hmm? Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes to give us that opportunity. Hmm? So he is the Rasaraj, he's the king of love, but 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 the the bhakti that Radha personifies hmm, is something that he finds uh, himself pining to experience. Radha's bhakti Devi, there's a little bak- little Radha in every every bhakta, so to speak, a little Hadini in every devotee. Hmm? Due to sadhusanga it comes. And then we have to grow grow that hmm, by sadhana. Hmm? What else? Yes. Gore. I was just wondering if you could say something. There's a pastime in the Chaitanya uh, Bhagavad that we read a while ago. It's, you know, it's very far out, the pastime where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu takes the role of, of a... Lakshmi. That Lakshmi. So I was wondering, it's another... You know, Krishna takes the... The Purusha takes the position of Shakti, and that's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Then you have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu again taking the position of the Shakti. I was wondering, yeah. what, what are we supposed to understand from that, that Leela? Well, that Leela is, is the uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted to perform a drama. Hmm? Right? So he assembled his associates, and uh, Haridas became Brahma, right? And the narrator and the introducer and Dwaita and different devotees had different parts and so forth, roles to play and so forth. Hmm. And um, Mahaprabhu played the role of Lakshmi, wasn't it? it? Hmm. Role of Lakshmi. And um, your question is that, well, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna, but he's in the mood of Radha, so we have Radha playing the role of Lakshmi. But no, that's not the case. Mahabru and Navadweep taste different moods and so forth. Hmm? And um, um, But it's when he leaves Navadweep and takes sannyas and systematically tries to enter into the bhava of Radha hmm? once and for all that he that is that he's successful at. The last verse of Shikshastak at the end of Chaitanya Charitamrita said to be, this is the voice of Radha coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He was successful in his mission. Hmm? That culture is all going on and it's 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 something that we, we learn from. So for the whole sannyasa, Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is a teaching by example to us. Hmm? Um, but in Navadweep, then, yes, he may taste Radha Bhav, but he's also Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Hmm? And so he'll go in that direction and come out, and we see him in the Prakat Lila. 
tasting different sentiments. He tasted the mood of Balaram and called for wine and and Braha and, and, and so on and so forth. So he's in a, he's in the in the mood of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He wants to taste the mood of Lakshmi. It's something like wanting to taste the mood of of Radha, but it's a more subdued form of that. And um Chaitanya Bhagwat is not as focused on the Radhabhav of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that pastime, I don't think it's brought out in Chaitanya Charitamrita. Hmm. So, but it, it, it is an instance that speaks about what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is about in terms of his internal reason for descent. He just hasn't gone the full, full, full measure to... It wasn't, it wasn't a drama about Radha and Krishna. Hmm. But, um, but but the extent to which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu got into the role was very extraordinary because he manifested breasts and his body transformed and so forth. So that's a, it was Academy Award-winning, you know, kind of uh, drama. <laughs> he really played the part well, something like that. Hmm. It's a warm-up, so to speak, to, to entering into the Radhabhav. After all, Lakshmi is a partial manifestation of, of Radha. So, some, look at it, something like that. I was also kind of wondering, because it's, it's very, it's, it becomes very similar to, you know, when he goes on the throne of Vishnu, and and, and, and in that section, I mean, he does take the bow of Balarama or Bra and stuff, but there's not the, like, formal worship with all the devotees. And in this pastime, it, it's described like that they they offer prayers and glorification of the, the goddess and they worship her, him, as, you know, in kind of a, you know, like puja, kind of singing prayers to the goddess, worshiping her. Shakti. You know, it doesn't happen when he appears as Varaha so much, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, what's the connect, like, you know, of goddess worship in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, because in that section, they're worshipping the goddess, you know, but it's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is not much of a question. Well, again, I mean, you, you, I understand what you're saying, but um, you have um, the idea that there are the bhaktas and there are the shaktas in Bengal. Of course, the shaktas are worship of, of Devi, not of Lakshmi, but uh, Durga, Kali, and um, and then you have the bhaktas, but then the godias are kind of like super shaktas because they're bhaktas, but they're actually the call of the godis is jairadhe, jairadhe. So it's a it's a glorification of the the super shakti, if you will, of Radha and the bhakti tattva itself that Krishna himself is is drawn to. So this is the highest ideal. Now it's coming out in a muted form as Lakshmi. But I think it speaks uh, to that, how they all, you know, become like Shakti, Shakti worshippers, super Shakti worshippers, so to speak. It uh, seems appropriate, uh, considering the overall picture of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Very much, uh, it's said in Bhagavatam, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is mentioned in the 11th canto, the verse that precedes his description of him, Krishna Varan, Prasa Krishnam, Sangopangastaparshnam, the half of the verse before that, the last two lines, speaks about that the worship 
of, in Kali Yuga will be done according to the, the Tantra, means the Pancharatrika and so forth. This Tantric feminine side, the Vedic side is, uh, the literature is very masculine. The Tantric side is very feminine. So it's prominent in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. The Shakti is prominent. It's so prominent that that, it, that when the Gaudiyas were worshipping Radha Govinda in Jaipur, there was a, a you know a big protest. What's, what's with this? They're they're offering the boga to Radha and Krishna, and then they're giving it to Narayan. What is this? How can they get? First, it should be given to Narayan, then to Krishna. And who's this girl next to Krishna? You know, Radha. Are they going to put her on the altar? So these are these kind of things were like really. I mean, they were there, but systematically, Gaudiya Sampradaya is establishing that kind of worship and so forth. Hmm. Emphasis on the Shakti side. Bhakti. Bhakti Devi. Jaya Sri Radhe Ki Jai. Okay. Anything else? What's the time? Short question. I had a reflection more though, because she was saying that matter can't reciprocate with consciousness. And um, once I was making this whole reasoning on some post that I made, and I was talking about our, you know, my wife, my children, and they said, well, I don't think of my children as things. Then I kind of had a wake-up call of, of, of how people think, and they said, well, it's not. They are things. They are things. They aren't things, because we are all atmas, but we think of ourselves, we define ourselves, materially speaking, in relation to things. That's the point I'm making. We define ourselves in relation to the things that we are attached to. And so the I that comes out of those attachments is a thing. Subject to transformation, here today, gone tomorrow, and so forth. But you have to explain it. Because there is some reciprocation, but it's really from false ego to false ego, from attachment to attachment, not really from soul to soul. Right. In, in their essential state. Right. Well, there's this. There, you know, there's the there's the physical dimension of matter, and there's the psychic dimension of matter. So the personality is the psychic dimension of matter, but it's still it's matter. It is somewhat subjective, and so it's reflecting. It has the power to reflect consciousness proper itself. So it has consciousness-like qualities. So it's a form. It is a form of matter, hmm? the psyche dimension of matter, in which there is some capacity to reciprocate and so forth. But hmm, more so than physical matter, which, but it's still matter. It doesn't matter, <laughs> or it does. <laughs> okay, we'll stop there. Shri Sri Daji Gopal Ki Jai, Gol Bhakti Vrinda Ki Jai, Gol Premanandi.